You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Well, it's another boring week here in Baltimore, as the Ravens have done pretty much nothing over the past week, except for a couple extensions, which are worthy of talking about. Hello, everyone. I am Christopher Linfont, the host of the Nest Talk podcast, of course, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the entire internet. Um, we're coming at you today. Recording with New recording date is on Thursdays. So today is Thursday, Friday the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there in the Ravens flock and, of course, Lamar Jackson specifically because, you know, he really is all of our Valentine after that amazing season. Um, so, yeah, we are now recording on Thursdays, officially moving forward, or at least on Friday mornings to increase availability for everybody, um, which I think is the best thing for the podcast. Now, of course, if you love the Nest Talk podcast, which I am sure you do, make sure you give us a rating on iTunes, make sure you like us on YouTube, follow us on, on Spotify, rate us anywhere you can, spread the word, tell your friends, your grandma, your, your cat, your cat's friends uh, about the Nest Talk podcast, and of course, that will help us... Um, reach other people, and, and increase our um, conversations um, for the podcast and between Ravens fans, which is ultimately the goal of this entire endeavor. So make sure you do that. If you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure you search up the Nest Talk Podcast or the Baltimore Feather, respectively, on Facebook, and you can do the same thing on Twitter. And Our handles are at Nest Talk and at Be More Feather. That's at Nest Talk and at Be More Feather. If you're looking for me personally, you can find me at Chris... Excuse me, if you could find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. Um, that's L-I-N-F-A-N-T-E for those wondering. And finally, go to BaltimoreFeather.com, subscribe to the email news list, and of course you can also get the podcast there. Every time a podcast is released, it is accompanied with an article, which of course will put be put in your inbox, in your email inbox right away if you are on, the, on that email news list. If you're looking for some XFL football talk, I talked a little bit about it last week, but I, I really a spur-of-the-moment thing last week after watching the games, I was so impressed with the XFL, I decided to start an XFL podcast, releasing Mondays. So every Monday, Monday morning, it will be released. That's the XFL Power Podcast. You can search that on Spotify and other um, publishing platforms, although it is having some problems getting onto iTunes, so I'm kind of worried about well, not worried, but I'm, I'm working on that. Of course, if you want to just find the website for it, that's at um, xflpowerpod.com. That's xflpowerpod.com. We give out pod, uh, power rankings on the podcast and talk about the XFL games every week, which I think will be very fun to do over the remaining course of the XFL season. And then who knows what we'll do after that regarding the XFL offseason. But of course, speaking of the offseason, we are in the NFL offseason, the National Football League, not the XFL and whatever that stands for. I don't actually think it has. Um, Something it stands for. It used to be Extreme Football League, I think. But, I mean, Vince McMahon said this basically doesn't stand for anything anymore. It's just the name, XFL. So, X-Football League, I guess. Anywho, we are in the NFL offseason. And, of course, that means less Ravens news to talk about. Um, less things going on in the NFL. But, of course, we're getting towards the combine. And that's really when our draft prospect evaluation stuff is going to start picking up. Because I, I want to start that now, but the problem is I don't have the complete information and I don't want to be giving out, you know, my full take on a prospect without his 40-yard dash time, which I think is the most important stat from the Combine. It's the only thing I really think measures them without a doubt consistently, like as importance, right? 
because you can watch them play on the football field, but you don't know how far, fast exactly they run. You got to test that. Other other drills I think are more subjective. Weightlifting, you know, is, is probably the second most important one, um, but someone can have a bad day. Um, three cone drills and all the other positional drills I think are important too. So I want to make sure we have at least some standing with the combine before we go into full on deep prospect evaluations. And the combine is at the end of this month, is February month. So it's coming very quickly, and once we are done, and of course we'll co- cover the combine extensively on on the podcast, on um, BaltimoreFeather.com, on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere. Really, we'll cover that that NFL combine extensively this year, as we do every year. Um, so make sure you're ready for that. But once we get to the combine, we will start evaluating draft prospects, which is what is the which is what I am very excited to do. I'm so sorry, I just can't speak tonight as usual. So. Um, with that in mind, so if you're looking for our, our take on draft stuff and maybe why it's not out right now, it's really because we're waiting for that combine because we need to know how these players are going to be performing at the combine. Um, so, yeah, let's get straight into the Ravens news. There's not a lot of Ravens news to cover, obviously, but there were some bombs that dropped this week. And the first one chronologically is going to be that Chuck Clark extension. Chuck Clark extended for three years on a really really cheap contract and i'm really really happy about it i mean there is i think there are very few players more deserving than chuck clark in the nfl and and for those of you that don't know chuck clark's background he was a sixth round draft pick in my first draft cover the 2016 uh i'm sorry 2017 draft class i think we were talking about him in either the last podcast or the podcast with dominic um, basically, I, I, I thought he was going to be a complete failure for the Ravens, basically watching him. He provided, in my opinion, no value. Of course, I was very naive back then, still am to some degree. Um, but I didn't think Chuck Clark would make it in Baltimore very long. Well, he proved me wrong. He stayed on with special teams because, you know, he was in danger of not making that roster. But he made the roster on special teams. And, you know, he showed the ethic smarts, that kind of ability. And it was evident when he went in for Tony Jefferson not a few games. He went in and he played well. And a lot of us came to believe, you know, that Chuck's and go down. This past year, we all knew that Chuck Clark was going to come in. He is not the best safety in the league, but he's a very, very good safety in his own right. And I don't think anything can... That smart thing was to lock him down very, very early. So Chuck Clark was not heading into free agency this year. I believe it was the last deal in his contract. I'm sorry, the last deal in his contract, the last year of his contract. Um... But instead of allowing him to even um, test the market in a couple of years or next year, whenever it was, I actually don't even know. I should have looked this up. For those of you that listen, I say this every week. You know I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't put everything that I should be putting on on these outlines. Um, but Chuck Clark inks a three-year extension, and it's pretty cheap for the Ravens. The initial reported number was $19 million over three years, which is very low for an NFL starting safety, which is what he's going to become because Tony Jefferson at this point is a dead man walking. There is zero chance Tony Jefferson um, is a starting strong safety for the Ravens next year. I mean, I guess there's a chance he's on the roster, but I really highly super doubt it because the Ravens are going to save some money with by cutting Tony Jefferson. And, of course, uh, we'll get into that those numbers, but I first want to talk about the Chuck Clark numbers. Three years, originally reported to be $19 million dollars, an average of $6.3 million per year. The co- full contract details are not known, or at least were not known at the time of the, this information being put out. Um, that changed. Ian Rappaport, I, a few hours later or the next day or whatever it was, 
um, said that there were there was new reporting, there was more accurate reporting. It was not $19 million, it was $16 million um, for an average of $5.3 million per year. So it's an even better deal for the Ravens, and it's still a good deal for Chuck Clark either way because a six-round draft pick making $16 million in total over three years is a very, very good deal for him. It's a huge lump sum of cash he's going to be getting, and he deserves it. You know, when, when Tony went down this year, Chuck Clark putting on that green dot you know, for those of you that are unaware, the green dot is the coach to community, the coach to player communication device. So he can call in, um, Wink Martindale can call in the defensive plays. And Chuck Clark was the one relaying it. It was not Earl Thomas. It was not Matthew Judon. It was Chuck Clark, who is considered one of the smartest safeties in the room, one of the smartest players on the Ravens. So, I mean, it's, it really was not shocking to those in the know that Chuck Clark would be the one with the green dot. And that was what happened. He, he wore the green dot. So Chuck Clark took over a huge responsibility with the Ravens, played very well, um, just an overall good safety for the Ravens as a strong safety position, replacing Tony Jefferson, who the Ravens could have used at times this season, especially in that Tennessee Titans game. I think Tony Jefferson would have been able, maybe not to stop Derrick Henry completely, but to at least provide a better, I don't know, tackling machine or some sort of assistance for the Ravens because they were not tackling very well. Tony Jefferson is a box safety. That's really his forte is tackling. And, you know, without him, it was just an explosion of Titans offense on the ground. Um, Maybe he would have helped there, but there was no way to have him. Chuck Clark did the job he was asked to do and, and should be the starting safety, you know, objectively should be the starting safety moving forward. It, it does appear Tony Jefferson is is basically gone at this point. Baltimore can actually save $7.4 million this upcoming year. He's only on contract for 2020 at this point. $7.4 million this year by releasing Tony Jefferson. That will cover all of the average per year. I don't know if they front-loaded it or back-loaded his contract or put it just even flat. Um, but Chuck Clark's deal, I mean, if it's if it's the, if it's the average five point three million in twenty twenty, that seven point four nine million, that's going to cover his entire contract and give the Ravens even more space. So they're essentially upgrading at a position for a cheaper price, which is really amazing. And they've done it before he even hit the market, which for those keeping tally here for keeping score, that's Eric DaCosta's bread and butter strategy. It's to wrap up guys before they hit the market. He learned from his predecessor to let players who's, who overvalue themselves hit the market and walk, but guys who he thinks the Ravens need to have and are not you know, going to overvalue themselves, he's, gonna, he's going to grab them before they can leave. And the best part is he's doing it very affordably. He's doing it very early often. So these guys are not hitting the market. They're not even, most of these guys aren't even in the year, okay? They're not even in the year, most of these guys, that they're going to hit the market when these contract extensions are made. I mean, you look at Tavon Young when that happened. He was not an impending free agent. Um, Chuck Clark is, and, I, and Marcus Peters is obviously because Marcus Peters was traded on that on that final deal, year of his contract. Um, but other guys, I mean, well, Willie Sneed, I think, is too. But my point is there's a lot of guys that have been extended who are not, you know, immediately, how do I put this, not immediately hitting the market if their extension was not going to, um, if, if they weren't, if they were going to expire, I don't even know what I'm saying at this point, they would not have hit the market 
if they were not extended, some of these guys. Um, and a lot of these extensions came midseason, going back to Willie Sneed. You know, that was, I believe, the middle of the season. I think it was around the Bengals game. I'm not exactly sure. Or one of the Bengals games. I, it just, just puts in my head. Um, but this is the overall to Eric Gaza strategy. It's locking down young talent early. I want to see him do it to Marlon Humphrey soon. I want to see him do it to Ronnie Stanley. I would like to see us... Um, re-sign Matt Judon this offseason. Whether these things happen or not, you know, it's going to really be a dollars and cents game. I would imagine Marlon's going to get um, a, a solid deal for Marlon because if, what they gave Marcus Peters, they're not letting Marlon go. They want that one-two punch, that fruit punch, if, if for those of you aware of his Twitter handle or what it used to be. He had to sacrifice his fruit punch Twitter handle. I'm upset about this. He had to sacrifice fruit punch, you know, his Twitter name to become uh, verified as Marlon Humphrey. And... All the Ravens fans on Twitter loved with the fruit punch. It was just a fun little thing there, but he finally got verified a few weeks ago. Anyway, I would expect Marlon Humphrey to be the next recipient of a deal, um, a long-term deal, a star player at least. Um, Ronnie Stanley, Matt Judon are on that radar, but whether or not that happens, we'll have to see. So that's the deal with, with Chuck Clark, the former Virginia Tech Hokie, signing a big, big payday with the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm super happy for Chuck Clark. I can't wait to see him back in a Ravens uniform as a full-time starting safety. Um, But, you know, it it is bittersweet to see Tony Jefferson go because there was a lot of hype for him coming into Baltimore next to Eric Weddle, who has already been there for a year as the best safety corps in the National Football League. And, you know, they are some of the more dividing players in recent memory, not for their actions because they are both – 100% 100% regarded as some of the best people that have ever been Ravens, okay? There's no question. Everybody loved Eric DeCosta, Eric, DeCosta, Eric Weddle. Everybody loved Eric Weddle in the building. Everybody loved Tony Jefferson. These are guys that, you know, just have these immeasurable qualities. And they're, they're great leaders. So it's bittersweet, you know, with this hype going into them, neither really performed to what the Ravens hoped for. I mean, Eric Weddle was good and Tony Jefferson was good. In, in 2018 specifically, he struggled in 2017, and of course 2019 got injured again. Um, but, you know, there was a period of time where these two safeties were good for the Ravens, and, you know, what maybe should have been a longer stint for these two, it just wasn't meant to be. So the Ravens moved on. They got an upgrade of free safety with, with Earl Thomas over Eric Weddle, and they are now getting what I believe and what most Ravens fans, most analysts believe is an upgrade. At strong safety, Chuck Clark, you know, getting to be the full-time starter for less money. So the Ravens, of course, opening up some of that salary cap, positioning maybe to go after a wide receiver this offseason. I'm not going to really talk about that whole thing. I wrote an entire article, a lot of you have already read it, on the Ravens' wide receiver situation. Um, What do I think is going to happen? I think they're going to draft high. Could be first round. Depending if they if they re-sign Matt Judon, they are probably going to draft a wide receiver in the first round. That would be my guess because Matt Judon re-signing him. What's the point of adding a pass rusher first round when Jalen Ferguson is developing at a very high rate? When you know you still have Tyus Bowser, you want to see what he can do. Drafting a first round edge rusher when you've got Jalen Ferguson in there not the smartest thing to do, um, not the dumbest thing to do in my opinion. I don't think it would be a bad decision. I just think. Wide receiver is the bigger hole. You want a, the kind of guy to pair up with Marquise Brown on the other side. Someone big, someone tall, who can go up and get possession balls. Who is that mysterious player, mystery man? 
we don't know yet. We won't really know until the combine because, let's face it, we need to standardize all the measurements. We need to standardize all the the speed, the strength, everything about it. Three-cone drill, the long jump, broad jump, everything. Just standardize it all, and then we can really compare these guys and start to figure out who the Ravens can target. And once that happens, I'll start to give answers. I'll start to think who we want to draft. But right now, it's a little early, although I really like T. Higgins from Clemson. You know, that name right there. I mean, a lot of you college football fans would probably agree with me on that. T. Higgins from Clemson, maybe. I mean, it's early. It's not official, but I'm kind of leaning towards him. But anyway, pass rusher for the Ravens wouldn't make the most sense in the first round if they do re-sign Matt Judon. But, of course, it's a big if. Maybe he hits the market, gets a huge Taco Bell deal from Seattle or some ridiculous thing, lifetime supply of tacos, and goes over there. We'll see what happens with that. But... Finishing up with Chuck Clark, I'm very happy for Chuck Clark, and it is bittersweet. I, I do wish Tony Jefferson all the best wherever he goes. And we have some things to talk about with Eric Weddle later in the show, believe it or not. I do want to touch on that. But before we get to Eric Weddle, I have to touch on Jordan Richards. Now, Jordan Richards is probably a name less Ravens fans know. Um, unless you're a diehard Ravens fan or someone who's covering the Ravens like I am, you might not know Jordan Richards, but I think it's worth mentioning that the Ravens have re-signed Jordan Richards, the practice squad, I'm sorry, not the practice squad, the special teams player and defensive back to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he's back on the roster for 2020. Now, for those of you that don't remember, Jordan Richards is a former Patriots second-round pick. Okay, this guy was a second-round pick in 2015. And, you know, it just didn't work out with the Patriots. He ended up getting traded to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons released him after the season, 2018, and he kind of bounced around for a little bit before ending up in Baltimore. He re-signed with the Patriots, actually, but he was cut, believe it or not, to make room for Justin Bethel. And that name should ring a bell for most Ravens fans because Justin Bethel was a special teams ace. The Ravens signed to a decent deal. I remember it was maybe a couple million dollars. It was something a little larger than most Ravens fans may have been comfortable with. But, of course, special teams is, is Baltimore's bread and butter. That's what they love. That's what they crave. They want to be good on special teams. It makes them a unique team. It makes them a strong team fundamentally in all three phases of the game. That's one of John Harbaugh's biggest emphases is that there's three phases of the game. It's not just two. There's three, and you got to win on all of them. So that's why they had Bethel. But when Bethel... Um, I'm sorry, what actually happened was um, Brent Urban was cut by the Tennessee Titans, which put the Ravens in danger of losing a, con a compensatory fourth-round pick. For those unfamiliar uh, with the compensatory pick formula, um, players who leave their teams can generate free draft picks for that team. So if the Ravens lose Brent Urban and he signs a high contract, or any contract really, and they lose more free agents than they get, then the NFL is going to award them, based on a formula which is kind of super secret and no one really knows about, the NFL is going to reward them with compensatory picks. Okay, And those compensatory picks are going to be in rounds 3 to 7. Now, those picks used to not be able to be traded, but in a recent rule change, it may have been last year or the year before, I'm not exactly sure which year, but it was definitely when I was covering this, a recent rule change occurred where you can now trade compensatory picks and with that it adds a whole new dimension to the NFL draft because there's so much more trade capital 
around. So let's say you want to bump up into the first round with a second first round pick, and you've only got your second round pick, but you got two third round picks. Well, you can bundle that second round pick and the third round pick and go back up into the first without having to lose that third, other third round pick. Or you could do two third round picks and make a move like that. If you if you understand the point here, is you can make a lot of different trades on draft day. So whether the Ravens pick with this fourth round compensatory pick or not, which is, is still um, hypothetical, I don't think the compensatory pick formula official results have been released yet, this fourth round pick, you know, the Ravens may not use it, but they may, they will use it for something, whether it's a player or trading for another pick or a player or something like that. So the Ravens, that's why they got rid of Bethel and they had to sign Jordan Richards instead who has done pretty well for the Ravens, despite, I mean, he's not just in Bethel, he's not, you know, a Pro Bowl special teamer. Now, the other Pro Bowl special teamer on the Ravens was Brendan Trawick. Now, Trawick injured himself in that Cardinals game, was put on the IR, but came back late in the season. As far as my knowledge goes, he is an impending free agent. I do not believe the Baltimore Ravens have rights on him. I looked it up today and spot tracked did not tell me he was on the Baltimore Ravens roster in 2020, so he will probably be on the way out, especially with this deal, because I don't think the Ravens are going to bring him and um, Jordan Richards and Trawick back on the same team, unless they really want to have a really good special teams, but that's going to take up two very coveted roster spots. Now, of course, they could cut one before the end of training camp, before the end of the preseason, after the end of the preseason on, on cut day. But Trawick is a very good special teams player. If, if he doesn't know if he can make the Ravens roster, he'll go somewhere where he knows he can make a roster. But, I mean, I am assuming this is the case because Spot Track, which I will check again right now just to make sure I'm not going crazy, but Spot Track did not tell me he was a part of the Ravens roster. And as I'm checking right now, I'll just keep talking to you, I guess. Uh, so, Brendan Trawick, we're going to check that right now. I should have done this earlier, but I forgot until I started rambling about him. Okay, he didn't come up. Trawick, come on. Brendan Trawick, yep, free agent 2020. And he only had an $805,000 contract. I am speaking so fast today for no reason at all that I cannot get the words out of my mouth properly. Anyway, so the Ravens are trying to keep their special teams in a very good position. And it... You know, it's already in a very good position with the Wolfpack, but they want to have tacklers, they want to have gunners, and that's what Jordan Richards is. And Jordan Richards produced well enough for the Ravens. He joined them, I believe it was late October. It was late October for the Ravens. He gained seven total tackles on special teams, and he actually had a very good play against the Steelers in the last regular season game. Against the Steelers, um, I don't remember if it was a a blocked punt or a, a botched. I think it was just a dropped punt because it was so heavily raining. The one Ravens game I skipped out on this year. I have to be real with you guys. I did not go to the Ravens-Steelers game. I think I admitted that already, but I, I, just, I just didn't go. Okay, it was right after Christmas. It was pouring rain. It would have been a three-hour drive from where I was for the holidays. Both one way, I'm sorry, not both ways, one way, three hours, one three hours back. It would have been disastrous with that rain. And there, I mean, it, it was a meaningless game with no starters in. And I really wanted to go to see Trace play. 
and RG3, of course, because I love RG3, but I was really interested to see what Trace McSorley could do because he was such an, an unknown asset for the Ravens. The only time we really saw him go off was that Eagles preseason game, so I really wanted to go to this game. But logically speaking, there was just no point. It would have been just an awful, awful, brutal experience down there um, unless I was in the press box. Um, you know, Dick Cass and the Ravens um, front office and, and media relations people, you know, if I was in the press box, I would have been there. Anyway, um, yeah, no, it was just, just would have been a miserable experience. So I didn't go. I watched on television. And, you know, I still had an enjoyable experience watching them win. And that was always fun to see the, the Steelers lose to the Ravens, even if I'm not there. So that was fine. But, you know, Jordan Richards in this game to get back on point. Had a very cool play. He, he ended up picking up. I think it was a. I think it was a drop punt. Correct me if I'm wrong. I tried looking for it earlier. I actually couldn't find it on YouTube. I didn't have time to to peruse through the entire game. But I was looking. I typed in Jordan uh, Richards touchdown. Jordan Richards fumble. I just couldn't find it. So I wanted a specific clip of it. But he ends up picking up the ball and running it in for a touchdown. So he provides value for the Ravens special teams. It's just that he's not going to be the type of player that's going to be super shiny for a lot of guys. You know, there are shiny special teams players. The kickers, occasionally the punters, and Sam Cook. Sam Cook is really the shiny punter in Baltimore. There's very few teams with shiny punters. I mean, unless you're Pat McAfee, right, for the Colts. You know, shame he's retired because he was fun to watch when he was on the field. Now he's even more fun to watch off the field. Um, there's, very, there's very few teams where punters are really the heroes. A lot of return guys. The Jacoby Jones. Everyone remember Jacoby Jones being one of the best return men in the entire NFL. Those are the electrifying players. So Jordan Richards, he's not an electrifying player, but he's one of those gritty players that's going to get the work done for the Ravens. Now, at the time I wrote the article and the news broke, we did not have any contract information about Jordan Richards other than it was a single-year deal. And I don't believe there's any information, but I'm just checking to see if anything was updated from the time I started this podcast, about half an hour ago. And no, nothing has been published on Jordan Richards' full contract. But you have to expect it's not going to be a whole lot of money for Jordan Richards. Because, you know, he's a, what, 6th, 7th, or 8th defensive back, depending on how the, the roster works out this year. He's not a roster, um, he's not surefire to be on the roster. He's not a roster lock, is the, is the word I was looking for. He very well could be cut before training camp even starts. So we have to see what Jordan Richards can do. Now it's a one-year deal. The Ravens want to have good special teams. You know, I think he probably makes the roster. But again, there's always a chance. And, and another guy, you know, not to go on a tangent here, but another guy who I would love to see on the roster, because I would love to see Jordan Richards on the roster. I think he provides a lot of value for the Ravens. But there's another guy I want to see on the roster that might not be on the roster. That's Trace McSorley. I mean, I was disappointed the Ravens did not unleash Trace in the final game of the season. And it had nothing to do with RG3. It's just that we're carrying him as a third-string quarterback. And he gets one play all season. Like, what is the point of carrying him if you're not going to use him? we got to find a way to use him. If he can become um, Taysom Hill, who has said some weird things recently. He wants to be basically, I don't know if it was him who said it or someone else said he was going to be the next Lamar Jackson or something like that. Like, come on, Taysom Hill, really? Now, I know Taysom Hill is a great quarterback, not to get off completely on a crazy tangent here, as I do every week. I know Taysom Hill is a pretty good quarterback for what he is. He's a wildcat, you know. He, he's 
he's Lamar Jackson-ish that he can run around, but I don't think he's got the arm Lamar does, and maybe he can develop it. You know, I would like to see a team take a chance on Trace. I don't think it's going to be the Saints. I think the Saints should double down on the Teddy Bridgewater train because it's leaving the station, and if you don't get on it, you're not going to win a championship in the next few years. So I would double down on Teddy. But Taysom, you know, he's interesting. I think his role is so unique. I mean, I don't know of any other team in NFL history that has ever had a player as versatile as Taysom Hill, blocking punts as a quarterback, catching touchdowns, throwing touchdowns, running in for touchdowns, playing defense occasionally in special teams. I've never seen anything like it. That's the role we were hoping Trace McStory to play because I, if, if I remember correctly, and please don't hold me if I'm wrong, but I have this, this inkling in my mind that he played defensive back in high school, Trace McStory did. And he's athletic. He's very athletic. If you've ever watched him play at Penn State, which I did, for what was what was he there for? Three years, four years? I watched all of those years. Okay, this is what you get for being a Rutgers football fan. You watch Penn State beat you time and time again. I watched him beat us every single time, and man, was he good at it! So I was really excited when the Ravens picked him because, you know, I've seen this guy play. If they're if they're doubling on the Lamar train and they want a Taysom Hill type guy to bring some even more elusiveness to the offense, I was thinking to myself, holy Jesus. That is going to be an exciting offense. But the problem is, we still have not seen Trace McSorley, aside from that random Eagles preseason where he lit them on fire, we have not seen Trace McSorley do anything to make us think keeping him is the right decision. And it's not his fault. It's it's really Coach Harbaugh. I mean, maybe not his fault. He's trying, trying to win, but he hasn't given him the opportunity. So, I want to make sure Trace gets an opportunity. I want to make sure Jordan Richards gets an opportunity. But going back to Taysom Hill one second, um, I do want to. I, I kind of want to see him be a starting quarterback. I think it'd be cool. It'd be very interesting. It'd be an experience because I mean he's different than Lamar. It's it's difficult to describe. I I just looking at him, I think he's a little bulkier than Lamar. So he's, you know, I don't know what I don't know who to compare him to. I mean he's he's just Taysom Hill. But if he was a starting quarterback, it'd be very interesting to watch. I'd pay to watch. I'd pay to watch it. 100%. I'd pay to watch it. Now, will he ever be a starting quarterback? Unfortunately, no for him. I think he should just honestly double down on his role and be the best insane Swiss Army knife the NFL has ever seen because there may never, ever be another player like him. And honestly, to occupy that position, instead of being a low-tier quarterback, which he probably is right now. He could potentially be a starter, but he'd be a low-tier quarterback. Instead of doing that, just double down on what you got, make some money off of that, and, and become one of the NFL's biggest folk heroes of all time because that's what he essentially would become. Um, but going back to Jordan Richards, the whole point of this insane tangent, at least to start with, was that he may not make the roster. There's a lot of guys on this team. Tyus Bowser might not make the roster. As we're heading into... This offseason, I'm very interested to see what the Ravens, you know, add to the team, who they're going to cut early if they cut anybody. I, I, I just I just can't wait for draft season. I just can't wait for the Combine. Um, I'm going to have plenty of time to watch the Combine, too. I Honestly, it's it's just the perfect week for, for me. The Combine is the perfect time for me because it's literally at a time when I don't have as much work as normal scheduled for me, so I can basically just sit back and watch the Combine. And I am so excited for it. I'm going to write so much, and we're going to do so much on the podcast. So until then, though, we don't have a lot of draft prospects to talk about, which is why this episode is 
I won't, wouldn't call it short because we still have a whole another segment to do, but it's not really segment rich. It's not detail rich. But I need to talk about the guy we mentioned at all, the former San Diego Charger, not Los Angeles Charger, San Diego Charger, Baltimore Raven, and one-year LA Ram. He retired. I think it was his parrot. I may have mentioned it on the last show if, if it was. Um, last week, I don't remember, but he retired recently, and you know, 13 years in the NFL, he is a probable Hall of Famer. I won't say he's, he's a a lock, but I think he he's eventually going to be in the Hall of Fame. He arguably, no, not arguably, he is one of the best safeties to ever play. I don't think anybody's going to contest that. Anybody with a working football knowledge is not going to contest the fact that Eric Weddle is one of the best safeties who's ever played the game. I mean, it's just that obvious to me. He's he was just that good. Okay. Now, of course, he kind of declined with the Ravens for a little bit. He played well enough for the Ravens, but there wasn't, you know, that 100% feeling that he was the absolute best the Ravens could do at that point. I'm sorry, I just got an alert on my phone. Maybe I should talk about this, just mention it. Um, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, a lot of guys... Um, believe he'll be an NFL coach one day, was kind of snubbed this offseason in the coaching carousel. And according to Adam Schefter, he was just called by Colorado his, I believe that's his alma mater, the Colorado, oh, what's her, I don't even know what their mascot is. I, I know what it looks like. I, I, bison, maybe? Something like that. Anyway, he was called by Colorado. They're looking to hire him. Would be a major development in the NFL if that happened. So anyway, back to the story here. Breaking news with Chris Linfont on Nest Talk. Maybe the Ravens is the Chiefs. What was he talking about? Eric Weddle. Okay, Eric Weddle. One of the best safeties ever, yada, yada, yada. That's a spiel. Um, he sat down or talked to, I don't know if he was actually in a studio with Jeff Srebeck, but Jeff Srebeck of The Athletic, formerly of the Baltimore Sun. I mean, the best. I mean, look, I like to call myself the best and most elite Ravens blog, Ravens podcast, yada, yada, yada. No, 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 no. If there's anybody who's better than me at, at this, it's it's definitely Jeff Srebeck. Because Jeff Srebeck, best Ravens insider, he's always got the scoop before everybody else, writes really well. I mean, the, the dude can write. Just read some of his articles on The Athletic. I'm not I'm not affiliated with him or The Athletic. I've talked to him a few times on Twitter. Um, but if you want other Ravens coverage that's not Baltimore Feather, which you can't leave us because, you know, we got the best content. That's not Jeff Srebeck. Don't leave us. But I, I will find you if you leave us. But Jess Rebick, I highly recommend you check him out. So anyway, I got this off BaltimoreRavens.com. I didn't actually see it. Um, I didn't see him publish this article. But he was essentially talking to Eric Weddle, whether he was sitting down with him. I'm not sure if he was sitting down or talking to him on Twitter or what have you. But he, he chatted with Eric Weddle at the point, And he asked him the question, um, you know, if you had to retire. Essentially, the question was, if you had to retire, and I'm paraphrasing here. If you had to retire with a certain team, who would you retire with? And, you know, a lot of guys, they, they'll come back on a, on a one-day contract to retire with, with a certain team. You know, I remember it, it was really, really terrible, actually. You know, you know, Haloli Nada this year retired with the Ravens on a one-day deal. And I remember it was like yesterday to me. I came home from high, high school, a long day of high school. It wasn't a great day, I don't think. It wasn't a bad day. It, just was, it was just an average day. You know, school, school, it sucks. Um, but, you know, I, I came home. And I sat on, on the couch, and I'm like, okay, yes, it's the new league year. Today was the day of the new league year. Who are we going to get? Who, are we going to trade for somebody? You know, Let's just see what happens. I want to see what goes on throughout the league. Just coming off 2014, that epic almost run. 
okay, an epic almost run, and I sit down on the couch, and I turn on the TV, and the first story to break, the absolute first story to break, within like a minute of me turning on the television, the Ravens trade Haloti Nada to the Detroit Lions, and I, instantly, I was crushed. Why would my beloved Ravens trade away my beloved defensive tackle, Haloti Nada, to the Detroit Lions? You know, it didn't make much sense to me at the time. Obviously, there were, there were contract implications in that. Another player that retired a Raven on a one-day deal. I believe it was a one-day deal. Um, Ed Reed did the same thing. He wasn't traded away by the Ravens. You know, he was actually not released, but he left in free agency, I believe. It, it's, what, almost, oh, my God, it's been almost eight years ago now? Jeez, I'm getting old. Um, you know, he left Baltimore for the Texans, and then he ended up on the Jets. You know, that was just kind of a, at that point, he was kind of washed up. I'm, I'm, I love you, Ed Reed. I love you to death. My favorite safety ever. One of the best players I've ever seen play. I mean, honestly, you look back at all those highlights, what he did was so special. But by by the end of the 2012 season, by the, that Super Bowl, I think it was apparent that as a long-term player for the Ravens, he wasn't really going to bring it anymore. It's just the physical limitations of football ended up catching up with him he he claims he'd be playing today if he stayed with the Ravens if he didn't leave Baltimore he'd be playing right now but I kind of find that hard to believe at the age of 41 Ed Reed who both took and gave a lot of hits and did some reckless but amazing things on the football field that require insane athleticism would be still playing today I find that very hard to believe but man I would love it if he was if he was playing today I don't care I honestly I'd love to see that um, but yeah, he did the same thing. So he, so Zierbeck asked, asked, asked Eric Weddle, what team would he retire with if he had to retire with a team? And he said, and I quote, as of right now, I would retire as a Raven before those t- other two teams, referring to the, um, Los Angeles Rams and Los Angeles Chargers. There's no need to push that button quickly, but I'm a Raven. I loved my time with the Rams. I was all in, but those three years, 2016 to 2018 in Baltimore, were as fun and enjoyable as I have ever had in my career. And honestly, you love to see that. You love to see that coming from Eric Weddle because he's the kind of guy, he's a fun-loving guy. He's a guy that players respect, look up to. It just shows you how high quality the organization in Baltimore is. And if you remember, he spent, I think it was nine years, yeah, nine years with the San Diego Chargers who cast him away randomly in the prime of his, he still had a lot of gas in tech. They, they cast him away and then they moved to Los Angeles and, and he just felt that, that was a very messy departure. That was a very messy departure, okay. He felt slighted by the Chargers. He loves the Chargers fans, but he does not like that team anymore. And he's not going to retire a Ram. I mean, he was there for a season. I mean, he, but he really loved the Ravens. It was a, such a significant difference to him from a team like the Chargers. And I'm not trying to be mean to these Chargers fans out here. If you're a Chargers fan listening to this, first of all, why are you here? This is your wrong podcast. Second of all, I'm sorry what I'm about to say. But your ownership and your leadership is just not good enough. It's not stable enough. When you have a team like the Baltimore Ravens, a team that prides itself in championships first, consistency second, okay, 
that just shows you that they, they're going to have a much better team. They have a much better environment. When the coach isn't worried and looking behind his back every two seconds, he can afford to actually, I don't know, be nice to his players and, and forge actual bonds with them. And when you do that, your players love you more than ever. I mean, Harbaugh is not specifically a player's coach. He's not the Rex Ryan type player's coach where he lives for the players and kind of thing. No, Harbaugh, he, he's kind of a mix. He's got that disciplinary attitude to him. If you end up in that doghouse, you're, you're done. Like, you you got to, like, do something about that because it is not good once you're in there. He's, he's a disciplinarian, but he's a, he's a good coach. He's a fun coach. He's a good guy, and everyone who's ever played for him, except for one man, Bernard Pollard, who has been the most annoying man to follow on Twitter. And I'm sorry, Bernard. You were good here for, what was it, two years? But you got to let it go. You have to let it go. I know you hate John Harbaugh. I know it, okay? Ed Reed did not like John Harbaugh for a while because John Harbaugh did it differently than Brian Billick. But Ed Reed is fine with Harbs now. They get along great. I don't know why you still have to have these problems. But Bernard Pollard is the only man that I know who did not like playing for John Harbaugh. Everyone else loved it. Literally, any other Ravens player you can ask that played under Harbaugh is going to tell you they love Harbaugh. And it's not because he's a modeling himself to be a player's coach. It's not because he's going to, let's go eat a snack like Rex Ryan, right? He's not going to do that. And for those of you that don't get the reference, that's a reference. Um, I can't say the full quote without losing my, you know, non-explicit category on iTunes, but uh, that's a quote from HBO's Hard Knocks. Let's go eat a snack that Rex Ryan said that riled up the, the team. Or not riled up the team. He, I don't remember the full details, but it's one of the most iconic football quotes ever. Anyway, um, you know, Harbaugh, he's this different guy. And Eric Weddle essentially validating the view that all Ravens fans hold of him. Except those that, what was it? 2018, midway through 2018, wanted him fired. I mean, I still don't understand that. That is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. I think when you look at Harbaugh and you look at the deck he was given after the Super Bowl, it was so bad. That 2013 season, I mean, if you weren't a Ravens fan in 2013, and I'm willing to bet there's a couple of you listening out there that weren't. I mean, I don't, I don't really tell most of the origin stories of my Ravens fandom, but 2013 was one of those, was really the first full year I was a Ravens fan. I had watched them sporadically. 2011, I wa- the only game I, wa- I was, I consider myself a Ravens fan, although I wasn't super into football. In 2011, the only real game I watched was that whole AFC championship. 2012, I watched, because I was an out-of-market um, fan for a long time, so I, you know, I, I couldn't watch most regular season games anyway. So when they, the only time they were on TV for me at least, you know, with knowing it right away, because I didn't watch all the when who's going to be on the Sunday kind of deal, were those playoff games. So I, I saw them in the 2011 AFC Championship, which was a terrible disaster. I, I Then I watched them in the 2012 playoffs, and I was, I was so in love. I started, before I could even watch them on TV and out of market, I was listening to them on the radio the next year, okay? 2013, I listened to those Ravens on the radio when they weren't playing in prime time, and they weren't being given time on my local television, on my local CBS or Fox stations. That's right, Jerry Sandusky and the crew, you know, we had uh, Quadri Ismail up there and Stan White. I would listen to those guys, and that's how I would get my Ravens games. So anyway, I don't even know where we're going with this tangent. 
I've completely lost track of where I'm going with this. Something about Eric Weddle. Um, man, where was I? How did I get here? Who are you? Who am I? I guess I'll just keep going. Um, oh, that's right. He was given a terrible deck in the 2013 season. When you look at that roster, okay, and this is me on the, I'm listening on the radio, and I didn't really understand the whole deal, but I'm like, where did Huang Bowling go? Oh, got traded away. Where'd all these players go? They left. Okay, we had Tandon Doss as a, a one of our better receivers, okay? Torrey Smith, that was the only guy you could trust. He was the only one you could trust was Torrey Smith. Who else was there, though, on that team? Dallas Clark was our one of our tight ends. That didn't make any sense. Was Dennis Pitta injured that year? I don't think so. Maybe? I don't remember. But, you know, there was just a huge loss of talent that year. Ed Reed was gone. Ray Lewis was gone. Paul Kruger was gone. Anquan Bolden was gone. Jacoby Jones was still there. And that was a good year for him. 2013 was a great year for him. For those that don't remember the uh, the Mike Tomlin electric slide towards the sideline when Jacoby Jones was running down the field, one of the most iconic moments. My first full year as a, as a, a complete Ravens fan, so diehard. I was listening to them on the radio, which honestly, I would listen. I would honestly listen to Jerry talk Ravens over the game than a lot of the announcers out there. But the problem is, I would I couldn't see the game. But if if Jerry Sandusky started doing a broadcast, and they linked it with the actual Ravens game, I'd probably listen to that more than the CBS announcers. That's how much I love Jerry Sandusky. Anyway, um, you know, where was I? Back to the, the, the cards he was drawn. You know, when you look at those cards, it was just not good. 2015, the, the next year they missed the playoffs, it's the same, same kind of boat, except they had a good roster going into it. It's just that Everybody got injured by midseason, and it was a complete disaster with everybody gone. And they were still coming in close games. It's like they, they came close enough with a lot of guys injured in the, in the early. Because Suggs tore his ACL in like the first game, and they almost beat those Broncos first game. That year, I mean, it was just one thing after the other that year. Literally, our starting quarterbacks went from Joe Flacco to Matt Schaub to... Who else? Jimmy Clausen to Ryan Mallett. Okay. We had basically CFLers on the team starting. Justin Forsett got injured. Steve Smith Sr. got injured. Terrell Suggs was injured. Um, who else was injured? It was just everybody was injured. We had to bring in Will Hill, who wasn't that bad at safety. Wasn't that bad, and that's also the year I think we dropped, we we signed Kendrick Lewis, which is a complete failure of a operation. Um, but 2015, 2013, bad cards. 2016 was recovery from 2015. Should have made the playoffs, but the the immaculate extem- extension have well, if that's what you want to call it. Antonio Brown's Christmas Day miracle for the Steelers. Christmas Day disaster for me. Watching that in my um, basement as the rest of the family was upstairs who didn't care about the Ravens. Um, on Christmas Day, really traumatized me. Then we had the 2017 New Year's Eve. My other cousins were at my house for New Year's Eve that year, and we were watching that game, and that ended in a complete failure as well, with the the fourth and what was it, fourth and 17, some ridiculous thing. Tyler Boyd running in for the end zone, the touchdown. 
disaster of a game. But all those years, I mean, Harbaugh came close in all those years. 2013, remember, people forget this, but 2013, the Ravens had a chance to make the playoffs in the last game of the, the season. They had to win. They lost. They had to win to get help. They wouldn't have gotten the help anyway, if I remember correctly. Um, they lost anyway. It didn't matter. But they had the chance. 2015, they didn't have the chance because that was just, I mean, Jimmy Clausen was a starting quarterback at, at one point in that. And, and he didn't even do that bad, okay? Jimmy Clausen should have been the backup over Ryan Mallett in 2016. Please try to change my mind on that. I don't think you will ever be able to. Because he actually wasn't the worst quarterback on that roster that year. Obviously, Matt pick six job would be. But then 2016, it was very, very close. Flacco coming off of that ACL didn't really play as poorly as people make him out to have done. Three for 4,000 yards. 2017, they should have made the playoffs after Flacco had that, what was it, his back injury that preseason it was like a huge scare he played through that sucker he should not have been starting until midseason he should not have been playing at all until midseason but he played through it and he he you got to give him credit for it and the ravens uh should have made the playoffs he put them in position to make the playoffs and the defense for two years in a row because pe- people forget how crazy the ravens were in the second half of those two years 2016 2017 how crazy that those offenses were I mean, they were putting up points on the Steelers in 2016. And then 2017, they should have won that Steelers game. That 2017 Steelers game or whatever it was, that was insane. That was just an insane game where it was like a 30-some points on both sides and Flacco was going off. But then it was just a late-game heroics by Antonio Brown. It was always Antonio Brown for us with those Steelers. Late-game heroics put it out of reach so many times to the Ravens. And to blame Harbaugh for that, I mean, yes, it's Harbaugh's team. It always, at the end of the day, the head coach assumes all the responsibility. But to blame him for all the problems with the Ravens was just silly. And when we were looking four and five down the barrel, and people were starting to say, this is the end of Harbaugh. And then Jason Lacaforna, who I, I mean, I would love to sit down and talk with Jason Lacaforna and ask him where he gets his information because half the time, maybe 65, 70% of the time, he ma- it's like he makes stuff up. It, it doesn't make any sense. None of it seems real. How many times have we been duped by this guy? He went out and said that the expectation is that Harbaugh and the Ravens will mutually part ways after 2018, and there is virtually no possible way he will be the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens in 2019. And here we are after 2019, and he just won Coach of the Year with the Ravens, Okay. He got extended after the year. I'm I'm honestly shocked that Jason LaConforna is taken seriously by anybody. And then he goes out and says stuff like, you know, he said something about the Ravens the other day. But somebody, they, they wanted him to come back to the table. Who was that? Chuck Clark. He said, ooh, this deal is great for the Ravens, but he's going to want to come back to the table next year. He can't even resign. He's in the NFL, the NFL rule or something like that. Basically, people were pointing out, and I, I don't know the specifics because – you know, I just don't know the specifics. I'm sorry. But basically, the NFL rules, like, you can't, um, I believe it is you can't re-sign a player until one year before their contract ex- expires or, like, that the season before the season before their contract expires. So, like, if your contract expires after the 2020 season, you could work on extension in 2018, I think is the rule. It's something like that. But he can't even do that right now. He wouldn't be able to do it next season per that rule in and. Right, because his contract expires in 2023. He'd have to wait until 2021. But he was suggesting they'd come back to the table next year. So obviously you can't do that. He just says some of the craziest stuff. But he was one of those guys that was basically reporting that um, 
Harbaugh would be gone. There were reports that Stanford wanted Harbaugh, which, I mean, any team would have wanted Harbaugh if the Ravens fired him. And, I mean, maybe there was some internal talk about Harbaugh leaving. Because, for those of you that don't remember, um, our our wonderful owner, and I really mean wonderful owner, I'm not being sarcastic at all about that, Steve Bishotti, who I think is probably the best, or at least the top-tier owner in the National Football League with some others, because it's difficult to say he's the best, because there's some, there's some really good owners out there. you know. But, but he's really in the top tier. He's one of the best. He's so involved with the Ravens, but not so involved where he's going to inhibit them in any way. He basically said in, in his post-game press conference after the 2017 season that he considered parting ways with Harbaugh. It was just a way of kind of signaling that, you know, he meant business. And if, if his business ideas are not met, he's going to move on. Well, didn't have to do that. Ravens made the playoffs 2018. They make it again in 2019. But back to Eric Weddle. He then said that one of the other questions was, would you ever want to work for the Ravens? Because there's talk about this. He was loved in the building. Eric Costa loves this guy. He said, of course, there's no doubt. And this is a direct quote. Everybody knows how much I love that place and how much joy and happiness it brought and how much I tried to give them. I think they admire that and how I helped that organization and team to build what it is now. I had a strong hand in a lot of those guys. That's obviously something that is there. And, of course, I'd be open and honored to have those conversations if they ever happen. I have one thing to say about that. One thing. That's it. Do it. Do it. Bring in Eric Weddle. This guy is one of the brightest minds in football. I, I, I know that, you know, he just retired, but you have to bring him in. And also, Ed Reed would have been nice. I mean, I know he took a job with the Bills a couple of years ago. He's now something with the Miami, uh, you know, the U, the, the Miami Hurricanes. I'm not sure what exactly that is. I read about it a couple weeks ago. Um, and then someone in, the, in Twitter told me, that the rec- oh, it was like a recruiting assistant or something like that. Someone on Twitter told me, like, you know, the new recruits won't know who Ed, Ed Reed is. They're too young. I'm thinking to myself, does this dude have any idea what what young people even think? I mean, this is this is Ed Reed. People just Ed Reed doesn't just drop off the map. This is a dude everybody knows. He's just been invited in the Hall of Fame. And here's another thing. All these kids that are going into college for football are playing Madden Ultimate Team and every single year there's an Ed Reed Legends card. They know who Ed Reed is. They've watched his highlights. A lot of them probably watched him play. It's Ed Reed. You don't just not know Ed Reed, but back to Eric Weddle. You know, I would love Eric Weddle in the building. I really would. Whether it's coaching, front office, I don't really care. I think we should just get him involved. And I'd like to bring in a lot of other Ravens players. You know, Lodi Nada would be great. I mean, Ray Lewis is, is in a league of his own. He's doing his own thing at this point, the speaking and everything, which he's great at. He, he's just fantastic at. But if you ever wanted to coach or be in the front office, I think he should be too. I'd like to see what happens with Flacco, though. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much I talk about Flacco anymore because he was, I mean, he was the talk of the town when I first started covering the Ravens. But, you know, when he inevitably retires, whether it's this offseason, whether it's next offseason, I just wonder what's going to happen to him. Does he want to coach? Does he want to work in a front office somewhere? I mean, I'm sure the Ravens would take him in some capacity for something. 
You can't. I mean, there are people out there that'll say, "Oh, he he just wasn't hardworking enough." I, I I don't buy that. Okay, I just, I just don't buy that. That's not the kind of guy Harbaugh would have around him and praise him so heavily for. Harbaugh's a hardworking guy. Everyone on the Ravens was a hardworking guy. Everyone loved Flacco, but you know, I just wonder because you know he is the the, the quiet type. He's not that the vocal like Drew Locke kind of leader to to be a rapping on the sidelines after a touchdown or whatever it was. You know, or or leading his men like Drew Brees in the huddle, with his huddle chant, which I can't even try to replicate because I I do it injustice. Go on YouTube and watch it. But what will happen to Flacco? That's a question I have. After it, and maybe you guys can tell me what you think Flacco will do. Whether you think the Ravens will hire Ed, Eric Reed, Eric Reed, Eric Weddle. I mixed up Ed Reed and Eric Weddle into one man, which would be honestly probably the undisputed greatest safety ever in the history of football because, you know, Ed Reed really is, but there are some people who are going to say Brian Dawkins or Troy Palomalo, but if you mix those two together, it'd be nonstop. That'd be the best. Um, but l- let me let me know what you think, whether the Ravens should hire uh, Eric Weddle, um, if you think Flacco will ever be part of an organization somewhere, or in another Raven maybe that we should bring back, whether it's Terrell Suggs. Let's say Terrell Suggs is going to be in the free agent market. Does he come back to the Ravens on a one-year deal, or does he retire? Let me know. I'm going to leave you with those questions as we wrap up Nest Talk episode 65. We are getting closer to the draft, of course, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to see you again next week as we are getting closer to the draft. Draft is two weeks from – not draft. Combine, I think, is two weeks from today or tomorrow. It's two weeks away. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover it extensively. We'll do a podcast on that Friday. Um because I know it starts, I think it's February 27th to March 1st, so by the time the podcast drops, we'll be basically halfway through the Combine. I'll talk that night and then upload it early in the morning so you can listen to it and then see the Combine results come in on that Friday. But of course, um, make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to the podcast, on whether it be YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Radio Public, Player.fm. If you're looking for my XFL podcast, which I highly recommend, you listen to if you're interested in the XFL this year, go to xflpowerpod.com or just search up XFL Powerpod on Spotify. We're still working on it being uploaded to iTunes. Um, you can find me at Chris Linfun on Twitter. You can find the Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather or Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter. Go to Facebook and search up Nest Talk or the Baltimore Feather to find us there as well. And finally, last but not least, go to baltimorefeather.com. Subscribe to the news list. Get the latest Ravens articles, news, opinions, podcasts, random stuff into your email inbox whenever it, um, whenever the new articles, podcast, random stuff is uploaded to BaltimoreFeather.com. Um, so we will see you again next week on February 28th. No, what? February 21st. 28th is one of the combine days. I'm getting myself mixed up here. Um, so, yeah, let me know if you have anything, any suggestions for a segment on the podcast next week, and I hope to have... We had Dominic on, a.k.a. Raven's Anatomy, um, a couple weeks ago. I hope to have him on around the time of the Combine, whether before or after. I'm not sure I'm going to talk to him maybe this or next week about that. So if you're listening, Dominic, I'm going to hit you up in a few uh, days or so about that. So again, thank you for listening to the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. My name is Chris Lindvon from BaltimoreFeather.com. Signing out. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy it. You've earned it. Do some relaxing this weekend.